Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones here with George Mays for Text Driven Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. How's it going? It's going all right. All right. How was your weekend? Normal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're off to a great start this yeah. morning, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for the heads up uh, on Saturday night. Oh yeah. So the uh, so I don't even know what I was doing, but I, I come into the living room and Julia's like, "Did you get this notice on your phone? It's a weather weather alert. Yeah, tornado warning." And so I click on the uh, local local news mm-hmm. Facebook page, and I'm watching the the radar and. And uh, the guy is the guy's telling us like anybody in Lawton should take shelter right now, right? But you know, I was born and raised in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to immediately just you know run to. Uh huh. Um, but Julia, you know, she's asking, should we go? Should we go? Kids are in bed. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's south. Like it was it was it was pretty far south of us. Mm-hmm. And uh then the power went off. <laughs> and I I couldn't even get I couldn't even get our cell phone coverage to to work. To work. So I was like, uh, yeah. eh, we better go take shelter <laughs> cuz I have no <laughs> idea where it is." <laughs> so we took shelter. Yeah. I was uh texting you Mm-hmm. Where is this thing? <laughs> it uh, hit. I mean, the the tornado didn't hit, but didn't hit the wet the weather the storm hit pretty yeah. hard. It. I mean, we had we had a. I mean, bad winds, downpour, wind. Uh, we had some hail. Yeah, I was uh, talking to. I think I was talking to Parker on the phone, and I heard the weird alarm that goes off on people's phones or whatever uh-huh. from the living room. Yeah. Um, and then I went in there later. I was t- and I was talking to Angie about it because it was a tornado uh, alarm that yeah. there's a there's a tornado on the ground. She's like, "Yeah, my phone didn't go off. Mine didn't go off either, which is weird." But Drake's went off, huh. and a, he just silenced it. And we we're like, he's a, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah." Angie's like, "Drake, what what was that?" Uh-huh. She's like, "It's a tornado warning." She's like, "Okay, he's playing video games." <laughs> She's like, "It's a tornado warning." She's like, "Yeah, all right. Think we might want to know about it." <laughs> Where's it at? I don't know. I don't know south, uh, southwest, five miles. <laughs> southwest. That's the direction they move. They move right toward us uh-huh. like that. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> they move to. They move from the south, yeah. west to the northeast. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, Are you just gonna play video games? Let us get run over by a tornado. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's Oklahoma people though. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and the tornado on the ground. It'll probably it'll probably be back, back up in a little bit. It's just a just yeah. touchdown for a second. It's, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are the odds of of getting hit? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. we're out in the middle of nowhere. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. I mean, it. It was. Uh, we got a lot of rain. Yeah. But the, I mean, we live. We live right. Right by a, an elementary school that has a, a siren, and I think the thing went off for thirty seconds. Mm. <laughs> then it was done. I, yeah. I think they, I think they had lifted the warning 
probably about the time we took shelter. You know, I think Jer- Jeremy Wellborn is the guy who saw it. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think the actual weather people actually saw it. He sent them a video. Okay. Because he does storm tracing stuff. Oh, really? That's All our right. church insurance guy. Yeah. Wellborn Insurance. And uh, yeah, I think he, he sent them the video. Okay. And they were like, take shelter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah. Very good. <laughs> Just trying to love his neighbors, chasing tornadoes down. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, shall we jump in t- back into uh, the text? Let's do it. Hebrews. You're in Hebrews. Yep. If you're there, if uh, you're following along with us, we're in Hebrews chapter five, verse eleven yep. today. It's uh, this section is warning. What warning passage is this? Number two. Well. I... Well, it's not today. Today's not the actual warning. Well, the, warning. I mean, there's it's like the beginning. Well, of there's it. kind of debate over where the warning passages begin and end. Even the the last one we looked at in chapters three and four, there's like some wiggle room about where exactly it begins. You could say this is the beginning of the warning passage. The uh, the ESV has has a like the little the little subheading, yeah, right above where we start, but. I I usually count it as verse four of chapter six. Mm-hmm. That's so. N- next next time we'll actually get into the warning passage. I call this the prelude to the okay. warning passage. All right, it's connected. I mean, you you can't uh, you can't understand the warning passage apart from the passage we're looking at. But I mean, it's just how you want to label it. How do you want to label it, Jay? I don't know. Warning passage part one. <laughs> well, no, know. this would be warning passage. This two. is warning pass. This is the war. This would be warning number three. Number three. This is number three. Prelude to three. But I'm 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 with a labeling it as a break. as a prelude. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's you know the the uh, it's a bizarre chapter break, but for once it actually helps because I think it divides the passage rightly. The thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So two two points to the sermon. The big six <laughs> it breaks the passage apart. Uh-huh. Um in the place that I think it should be broken. All right. Oh, yawning. Watch out. Uh, you can't be doing that. All right. Let's I'm jump here. in. I'm over here shivering. I should have brought my jacket in here. You should have brought your little heater in it's here. Little, that's, <laughs> yeah. It's a little cold in here for me. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little chilly. Let's jump in here then. All right, let's have you read the passage. Okay. How far are you going to go? Uh, we're doing uh, chapter 5, verse 11 through chapter 6, verse 3. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. All right. Good stuff. Okay. 
so you began talking about um, Peter Pan, mm-hmm. which I like. I like that little. Yeah. I like that little attention getter. Okay. Peter Pan is the boy who never grew up. Mm. And you said today there are Christians that never grow up. Um, there's actually, you said, a is it a psychological term? Like, is it a legit psychological term? I don't think it is a an official uh-huh. disorder. Okay. Like, if you look at the, um, what is it, the... DMS. They change it all the time. They change it all the time. Yeah. yeah. I I don't think it's official, but it is a uh it is something that's it's a label that's used. Okay. Peter Pan syndrome. Ah. That's that's pretty unfair. What if I want to identify as a child? Well, they're gonna have to change the manual. They have to again, change that manual again. <laughs> They'll have to drop it. It's not a disorder. It's just what I prefer. I mean, what do you do when what do you do when the majority of a population has you know physically grown adults who act like children i don't know it's not it's, i mean it's no longer a syndrome right uh, uh, yeah i don't know it's it's funny when you read about it because it's immaturity it's um irresponsibility it's um making unwise rash decisions with money it just sounds like our culture. It just right. sounds. It just sounds like everybody I know, um, out in the world. That, like, people are growing up, um, slower. Mm. Like you've some of the things I felt personally attacked when I was reading it. Like they're still playing <laughs> video games, and <laughs> hey, we've got older folks in our church. Well, I don't want to say older. I don't want to offend anybody, but they older than us that play video games. Peter Pan syndrome. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, the description it um, it's not super helpful anymore <laughs> because yeah. you you um, so if you if you're familiar with Peter Pan, you know he's he is um, he's brash, um, he's naive, mm. um, irresponsible, he's selfish. And you look at adults, even people like elected officials. I watched a video. Yeah, you know, we talked about the the Florida parental rights bill. Yeah, that the liberals were calling "Don't Say Gay," the "Don't Say Gay" bill, uh-huh. which like has nothing to do with the the actual legislation. I saw a video of um, some elected officials from Florida walking down a hall, arm in arm, chanting. Gay, 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 gay. These are these are the adults, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what Biden's campaign was was saying? The adults are back in charge. Yeah. Yikes! Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not great. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But the problem is, there are Christians that haven't grown up either, mm-hmm. and it's not it's not um, well. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some childish behavior. But um, the seriousness is um, in not growing up in the faith, staying immature. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of the theme of this mm-hmm. is. Uh, this is not a new phenomenon. Right. This has occurred back in the early church. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so the writer of Hebrews is addressing this issue as uh, 
to start uh, the beginning of the warning passage. So would, would you say this is here because the stunted growth or the persistent immaturity of a person who claims to be a Christian is like a highway off-ramp into apostasy? Yeah, I think so. This, it's, um, I think we've gotten so used to it, to people who have been Christians for a long time, but they don't know anything about the Bible. And we just, we just treat it like, well, it's, that's normal. The Bible's a hard book, and so unless you're like a trained theologian, you're not going to understand a lot of what's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like you look at it, it's a big book, lots of hard names, um, difficult concepts. Who's got the time for that? Yeah. And it's become so widespread that we just kind of say, yeah, that's that's to be expected. But it's There's, as you read it, and uh, again, this is going into the warning passage. The reason I didn't go into the warning passage itself is because there's a lot of issues that we've got to answer because this is a, a hard, a really hard warning passage. People right. struggle with this one. So I wanted to make sure we we spent the necessary time to answer some of those questions next week. But this is this is leading into it. This is serious. It's it is he he is He's warning them because if they do this, if they keep in their in their immaturity, this is uh, this is a fast track to apostasy, and I think you see that in the church today. Uh-huh. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, to one degree, I blame I blame pastors. There's so they're they're, but they don't they don't hold all the blame because you know you would ask one thing I ask people we talk about it in our Sunday school class we're talking about looking for a healthy church, mm-hmm. you know some some places you're just you know blessed to be able to find a church at all but if you have there are more options you know what do you look for a healthy church one thing I ask people because I don't ever try to steal people from other churches mm-hmm. but if they're talking about their church, I'll just ask, like, what what book of the Bible do you know this year better than that you didn't know last year? And a lot of times they can't give one, right? Because they've never sat under preaching through an entire book, yeah. which is really sad. Um, and so, you know, if you've spent twenty years at a place and you've never heard anybody preach through a single book of the Bible, right? You you might not have a good grasp of anything, yeah. Um, but the, there's but, this there's this cycle I think, and I don't know. It's it's kind of the chicken or the egg. Like, mm-hmm. what which one came first? There's there are unhealthy, immature Christians that are seeking out worldly things. They're seeking entertainment, or they're seeking you know um, you know ten steps to financial freedom or whatever. And so the churches and the leaders and the pastors are giving it to them. Mm-hmm. Well when those pastors give the people what they want, then the people are just going to continue in unhealth and they're just going to continue looking for those pastors. So it's like, okay, where did it start? Did it start with the people or did it start with the leadership? And it's just this endless cycle. Unless a pastor says, I'm going to stop this cycle of, of immaturity. I'm going to force you to grow up. Right. I'm not going to let you stay babies anymore. It's just going to continue this cycle. Yeah, you know my friend Robert. Um, mm-hmm. He got his uh, first place he, th- that he went to pastor, and they were like, "Dead set, we want expository preaching." 
And you know what happened. I, I do. Can, can you <laughs> preach? I absolutely know. Because <laughs> it was the same thing that yeah. happened to me. Why, why do you have to preach like through the whole book? Like, can we have? Can you preach something else? Mm-hmm. Can you change things up? Like, uh, we're getting complaints about you being in the same book. Mm. Like, yep. Well, that's what you said you wanted. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. It was. The, it was the same here when I I first came. Um, I told them, you know, I preached through books of the Bible. That's great. I believe, you know, what Southern Baptists believe. Oh, yeah, that's what we want. And then when you actually start doing it, I'm like, no, nah, not like that. <laughs> we believe the Baptist faith and message, but not like that. Not like you're, not yeah, like yeah. you believe it. We don't, um, you know, uh, why, you know, we need to do some topical stuff. Yeah. Like when you're going through books of the Bible and you're doing exposition, you are doing topical stuff. Like there is a, there is a topic that we're looking at. It's just not the topic you want. You want, you want something. We were talking about this in community group um, Sunday afternoon. Why? Why do people do this? Why would people rather go to a church where the pastor is preaching on, um, you know, five steps you can take for a healthy marriage, but you you try to walk through Christ is our great high priest, mm-hmm. um, and they. They don't want that at all because it's quote unquote not practical. And I think it's because it's really easy to do five steps to a healthier marriage. Yeah. I but, w- but Christ as your great high priest, like that demands your obedience. Uh-huh. It it demands a response. What what is the worst um sermon you've ever seen ever been a part like ever witnessed? Like in person, uh that people around you at the church seemed to re- love and you were and you were thinking to yourself this is utter trash okay it wasn't at my church but it, it was worse it was at chapel at, at southern seminary oh man and it is the wor- it is the worst sermon i have ever personally sat under it was um it was a local pastor and he was preaching from first corinthians chapter 15 and uh, Paul saying, um, if, uh, if the resurrection is not true, why are there still people being baptized for the dead? Mm-hmm. That was his verse. Okay. Okay, that's, that's a weird verse, mm-hmm. right? Like commentaries don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy apparently did. It was all about, <laughs> <laughs> it was all about, um, it was all about pa- kind of passing the torch of leadership. What? <laughs> it was all. It was all about, um, you know, the leader is the leader has died, but your the new leader has like been baptized for the dead. It was. It was just really bad. That is super it was bad, really dude. bad. But the worst part was he was he was um, the pastor of uh, an African American church. Mm. There's, you know, some of some of the the African American pastors, their their preaching style is more charismatic than ours, mm-hmm. right? And so he had he he had this rhetoric that was really, I mean, there was a cadence to it, and there was he crescendoed, right? At the end, he's he's really getting into it and baptism for the dead and and all this, and he ends with like this like this big ending. Everyone in the chapel gives him a standing ovation. Wow, and I'm sitting there, 
I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Has everyone lost their minds or is it just me? That was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but it was the rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. The, re- the rhetoric. rhetoric is what got them on their feet. It, it wasn't the message because I don't know exactly what it means that they were being baptized for the dead in First Corinthians 15. I mean, there's there's some options that I'm, I'm kind of, you know, but you know it's not about between, passing but leadership. But I know it's on. not about passing leadership. I know yeah. it's not about that. Um, and um, you know, it's always funny. It just was really bad. Um, the first part of Corinthians is all about um, Paul's theology of preaching, mm-hmm. um, and it's all anti-rhetoric, <laughs> right? Because that this is the thing that would happen in the Roman days, right? It's what people loved Apollos. Mm-hmm. Well, he probably had good theology too, but yeah, he was a really good. Uh, Rhetorician, I don't know. Did I make a word up? You did something. You did something there, my like, friend. <laughs> you know, you know, people, people in the Roman times—that's their entertainment. They love the rhetoric. Yeah, and the um, and today it's the same. And it's not. It's not that we shouldn't have good rhetoric. Like we should speak in a way that is communicating in a clear, powerful way what we're communicating. The problem with the rhetoric. Um, of Paul's day is that they didn't care about what was being said. It's how it was being said. So right. you could say something that was just total buffoonery, but if you said it in a really powerful way, a really convincing way, if you if you if you by your style could convince people better than the other guy, it didn't matter if it was true or not. Right. Um, and that that really bothered me with that sermon, um, baptism for the dead, because everyone, everyone. I was, was sitting. Awesome. I was sitting in the back. It was packed. I was sitting in the back, so I could I could see the entire chapel, and it looked like everyone stood up. It was it was really bizarre. Hmm. How about you? Well, mine is uh, in First Baptist Church of Pratt, Kansas. Back it's been a while a while ago, a couple of pastors ago for them, I think. Uh, but I was. I don't know if I was graduated from seminary or not. I might have been freshly graduated. But the pastor um was a Rick Warrenite, big time. Okay. Had the the whole the whole shebang, Hawaiian shirts and all. Really? You know what I'm saying? That's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't fit well like in uh, in Kansas. In my, you know, you're in Pratt, right? Kansas. I mean, you got this is like farm country. Yeah. You know, uh cowboy boots and Wranglers and all that. Uh-huh. Windmills now too. But um, yeah, he he was a big time Rick Warren purpose driven guy, and so he gives he gives a sermon. It's all about like, like hospitality for people as they come to your church because we want you want guests to come and to stay. Okay, right? How to cloak kind of if you if you get them then. So he said, "Here's a sermon. I call it the five touches that someone needs to experience when they come to church." That didn't age well. Yeah, no, it didn't. But they, you know, it starts in the parking lot. You got to have a parking lot. Okay. People parking the cars and saying hi and shaking a hand, and then they come to the front door. There's another second touch, and then the third one is like a member in the in the pew, and then you bench the pastor and blah blah. They're like five engage <laughs> five engage. But he but okay. he phrased the whole thing. The whole sermon was about that. Okay. And it was this is what I call the five, whatever. And I'm like, uh-huh. nah, this is too packaged. So I sit there and I and I Google it. Yeah. And there's literally a book called The Six Touches. Wow. Or whatever that somebody has, you know, experienced yeah. when they come to your church. So not only was it a terrible sermon, it was yeah. completely ripped off. Okay. <laughs> but that's the stuff, man. Yeah. You know, and that's what people, 
you, they absorb. But it's it's well, not I, just the the pastors though. Right. It's it's people like yeah. like like we live in a time where if you want to not be a baby Christian forever, mm-hmm. you can find anything for free. Yeah. Blue Letter Bible, oh, yeah. PreceptAustin.org, Logos. Like I, I'm I'm looking at uh and this stuff it, it's tough. It, you gotta you gotta put effort in, mm-hmm. right? Um like I'm looking at Ecclesiastes stuff, and I got a couple of good couple of good books on it, but yeah. there is a ton of free material mm-hmm. available online. People trying to outline it, who can really do that? Uh, but you can sift through it all, and you can work through it all. Just I'm just I was surprised again when I started looking at this book how much free material there is. Um, like no time in history. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, I think there's a, an app for Calvin's commentaries. I think you have to pay for it, but it's not. It's pretty inexpensive for what you get. Uh, Matthew Henry's commentaries, they're they're free. They've been free forever. Yeah, I think there's an app for John Gill's commentaries and not to mention you can li- i mean you, sermons. you can listen to i mean we yeah we have an embarrassing amount of of riches yeah remember the guy um that came to our church now he goes to josh's church oh what is his name it's slipping my mind but he was uh saved by uh listening to john MacArthur's sermons as he delivered mail oh yeah so you just think about all of the f- the free information Right. You could listen to a, a sermon on every text in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Right. So the Peter Pan syndrome uh, was going on. Yeah, and, and I, I think the point. I think the good point is that it's not just the the, the preachers because yeah. the author of Hebrews right. he's trying to communicate to them. It's not his fault that they're not they're not understanding. It's them. Yeah. It's, it's it's their fault. <clears throat> so you divided this up uh, according to the kind of the thought the thoughts that are communicated here. Uh, so 11 through 14, your first point is the serious shame of spiritual immaturity. And you said, you know, I think when you are convicted of sin, you should feel, and I think you're right, and I think it might be lost today, you should feel some type of sense of shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I had I had someone ask me, like, could you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Because we're told you're not supposed to shame people, mm-hmm. right? Um you you go to I've said this so many times that the the modern evangelical church they are they're killing themselves with nicety like they're being so nice you can't call names you can't point out things you gotta you gotta kind of walk things back I mean why why else would J D Greer say that you know the Bible whispers about sexual sin he's trying to be nice. Not trying to shame. He doesn't anybody. want to shame anybody. He doesn't want to shame the people in his church that might be living together, or mm-hmm. um, uh, who knows. Um, there is a proper use for shame. Now, if you're just shaming someone just for the 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 thrill of of shaming them, you're just being cruel. I mean, that's just cruelty. You don't you don't do that. But shame that leads to something good. Um, that that is a tool I think that God's given us. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam and Eve, after they ate of the the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they realized they were naked, they they were ashamed. They should have been ashamed. They've they've just sinned. Mm-hmm. David should have been ashamed of what he did with Bathsheba. Yeah. Um. You and, and it's not just so that they feel bad; it's so that they'll do something about it. Mm-hmm. Like, so they'll repent. 
if you um, you know you walk out of your house uh, without any clothes on, you should feel shame. Yeah, the shame is not. Um, well, I'm going to go about my business and just feel bad. The <laughs> what's supposed to happen is you're supposed to feel shame and you're supposed to go inside and put some clothes on. George, that's a strange illustration, bud. Is it? <laughs> Larry, you ever just go outside with that? You've been having that. You had that dream, didn't you? I did not have you that dream. To, you went to school and there was a test and then you ran in the classroom with no clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to use something here that makes sense. Like shame is meant for you to go back and, and change. Uh, I'll give an example. Okay, give I'll an example. It, I'll keep it transparent. Okay. All right. People probably, you know. I'm not flawed. I'm, I'm not perfect, George. I'm flawed. What? Can you believe that? I, I mean, and I'll, I'll tell take, you my I'll big take your word for I'll it. I'll tell you my big weakness. It's baseball. So this past Friday, I, after the game, talked to the baseball coach. Yeah. Now, I still believe I was right in what I talked to him about. The way I handled the situation was not good. Okay. was not right. Um, I even said something like during the game in front of everyone to the coaches. So I go and talk to him after the game. It doesn't end well at all. Um, leave, and I get an earful on the on the way home from Angie because she's a good wife. She's a good woman, and she's right. Of course, everything she's saying is right. By the time I get home, fifteen minutes later, I feel pretty ashamed. Yeah, like real shamed. Mm. So I was like, man. I got to go back. Like, I can't be, no, I can't know that I'm not, I'm wrong. Even though I think I'm in principle right, the way I handled stuff was wrong. So I went back. I apologized to all of the coaches personally, and everything was good. Like, we had reconciliation. Everything's good. We're moving in. But I, I don't, that's, that's the first time I felt ashamed in a while. Like, yeah. really, like really ashamed. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it was a wound well struck. Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So. Yeah. So that's that's what's going on here in this passage is that he's going to shame them. They they need to be shamed. It's a good it's a good picture almost a microcosm of what should happen in church. Mm -hmm. Like a a church is an extension of your family. So maybe in a healthy church what what happened in a healthy wife husband relationship mm -hmm. can happen in the body of a local church. Yeah. But you point out, we think shame is like never, never go so far right. to hurt someone's feelings or to bring shame. Yeah. But I think that it's, the author of Hebrews is demonstrating yeah. some pretty tough yeah. language. Yeah, absolutely. To for the purpose of bringing someone to that level, because if he doesn't, it, what he's doing is he's holding up a mirror to them and he's saying, "Take a look at yourself. <laughs> like look, look at what you look at what you." have become mm. um not not because he you know he uh gets joy in hurting them and in wounding them but so that they would say you're right yeah. <laughs> we need to we need to change it's like whenever you ever see like when a girl will have like an eating disorder she's super skinny and they don't see it that she can't see it no matter what like there's some mental block and they're like okay lay down i'm gonna trace your outline on the on like a white piece of paper, you ever see that? Mm. And they get up and they look at it, and it's super, it's like a skeleton, mm -hmm. and then it's like a realization. So maybe this is uh, 
the effect that's that comes through here. And you, there are th- there are three descriptions mm. that you point out in this uh, of this language that he uses and to bring shame. I think I got the first two for sure, and I think I got the third one. The first one is he says you're acting like preschoolers. Yeah. Right. Yep. Verse twelve, you're acting like preschoolers. And then the second one, you're acting worse than preschoolers. It's even worse. You're acting like babies, infants. And it kind of the uh, it's hidden a little bit in the language, yeah. but it's just like he's telling them you're like a baby, mm-hmm. like yeah. you're still drinking milk, you're still on a bottle. Right. You made all the kids laugh. Did you hear them? Oh, I heard them. Yeah, I, heard I, them. I, I was really uh, I really liked that because uh, I mean to tell you that all the kids are listening. Right. But you you uh, you gave a description of like a fifty year old man. Mm-hmm. And he's got a, a receding hairline. He's going bald, and he's got a binky. Mm-hmm. And they all all the little oh, kids all the little kids laughed. They laughed really hard. They did. <laughs> yeah. When I wrote it, I wasn't thinking, "No, oh, this is going to get a big laugh." Yeah. I was just trying to like the ridiculous, the you know ridiculous nature of it. The the um, the immature Christian doesn't look doesn't look as um, you know bizarre <laughs> as that picture. <laughs> But it's just as unnatural, right? Like the person that's been a Christian for fifty years, but still acts like a spiritual baby. Um, it should strike us as this is not right. This mm-hmm. is weird, right? And then the third was they're unskilled. So he starts at verse eleven about this. Um, we have much to say, but it's hard to explain since you become dull of hearing about this. I, th- I think you pointed out the link is about this about Christ's high priesthood. Mm-hmm. So there's and his you know he brought up Mikel, Mik, I can't say <laughs> Melchizedek yeah. and Jesus high priesthood and then right. he says well about this I have much more to say but but I can't because yeah, you're like not, a baby yeah he's not he's not gonna touch on it again until the end of chapter six the last yeah. verse of chapter six he'll bring it up again but it's hard for me to explain it to you because you're dull of hearing which you pointed out means you're just like lazy yeah I I think that when people start to to hear about Melchizedek, they have a lot of questions. It's it is a difficult topic. Um, even when we get to it, we're going to have to work through some things because there's different ideas of what exactly that means. But his his main emphasis is that it's not the topic that's the problem. The problem is you. Mm-hmm. The problem is I I want to explain this to you, but you have become so lazy that I'm it's. It's like talking to uh I mean you've taught you've taught your children things. Mm-hmm. Like you know when they're not listening. Yeah. They they you know they're just kind of sitting there slumped over. They'll put their head down. Like are you even paying attention to me? That's what he's getting at. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to explain this to you, but I like what the NIV says. It says that you have you are no longer trying to understand. Mm. Like you, you don't even have a desire to understand this anymore. Yeah. And this is a this is a serious issue because, again, this is not just some minor theological issue. Yeah, he's trying to explain to them this is the heart of the book. Mm-hmm. Christ is a greater high priest. Don't go back to the Old Testament system because Christ is the fulfillment. He is the greater high priest who has offered a greater sacrifice, um, and they're they're so lazy that they don't. They're not even trying to understand this mm-hmm. anymore. So, why why can't I go back to the the temple and to the priests and to the animal sacrifices? He's trying to tell them why, but they've become so dull of hearing that they um, they don't care. Yeah, 
So yeah. it's, it's that's a serious issue. That's that's not we we should not if someone is um he's saying, you're trying to explain theological things to someone who's been a Christian for a long time and they're like uh, uh, you know I don't care theology uh, yeah. yeah like doc uh, I don't need that doctrine right. that's a serious issue yeah yeah prophet priest and king uh, yeah that's just for you theology nerds I I brought up the illustration of uh, the example of when I when I told people I was going to seminary. There were people that were shocked. They were like, "That's a waste of time. Like, why would you, why would you want to do that?" Right. I remember I was at I was at a, a small country church when I um, was confronted with expository preaching and reformed theology, mm. and it was like my world blew up. Mm. All of a sudden, I was seeing things in the scripture I'd never seen before, and I, I was actually drawing connections and and I was trying to communicate that to people. And some of the people that I was trying to communicate to had been in church for a long time, and they'd been Christians for a long time, and they just had no, no interest in it. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, that's distraction from the real work. You know, right? I don't know if you've had that experience mm. or not, but <laughs> that was that was uh, there. Were, I had many many such experiences like that, mm-hmm. and it was it was surprising. Mm-hmm. Like, do you not find this interesting? <laughs> right. Like we're talking about we're talking about Christ here. Um do you not are you not like interested in this at all? Yeah. Mhm. But I I don't think that that's um I don't think that's unique. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the attitude of a lot of people who have been um calling themselves Christians for years. Right. Right. Yeah. They run across something like verse 10. He's been designated a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And they don't really take the time to ask the question, what does that even mean? Right. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's important for, for people to know this doesn't mean that you have to have all these commentaries laid out in front of you and you've got to like, do all this research for hours. Right. Like it's going gonna, it's gonna to look different for different people. I was, I was um, using the, the example of, of Julia um, at our community group. Like the way that I'm going to do study and the way she's going to do study is going to look different because she's trying to homeschool four kids. Mm-hmm. She's not going to have the time to have all these books laid out in front of her and she's making notes and looking up stuff. Um, but she has a desire to learn. And so she's going to ask me questions. Um, she's going to look at her study notes. She's going to be looking at things in her Bible, making notes. Um, but the person that just reads it and, eh, yeah, don't you know? I don't. I don't know. It's too hard. Yeah, I'll move on to something else. That, that's what he says. He says you're all on milk. You should be on solid food. By now, you should be teaching. Be teachers or teachers. That doesn't mean, like you pointed out, that they're everyone's going to become a Sunday school teacher. But every person that's in the church that's been a believer for a while ought to be able to exhort another Christian, to take the Bible, to encourage them, to even instruct them about things, because they're older, they've been a Christian a long, longer. But yeah. it, what he's pointing out is, you should be there, but you're not, mm-hmm. and it's because it's your own fault. You're, you're a lazy listener. Yeah. You're, you're, not, you're not putting in the work to be mature. Yeah. Um, and the goal is to grow up. So that's the first point. He, try, he tries to convict them of this. Uh, to bring this sense of shame so that they could then repent and grow up for the purpose of safeguarding them from 
falling into apostasy. Yeah, because he he calls them. I say he calls them preschoolers because he uses this this word that elsewhere in Greek, um, outside the Bible, it's used of the the alphabet. Mm-hmm. So he's he's basically saying you should be teachers by this time, but you're stuck on the ABCs. Yeah, um, you you should be mature, but you're like infants. You're supposed to be eating solid food, but you're still drinking milk. Right. Um, you should be. You should have a hunger for these things like Christ after the order of Melchizedek, but you haven't trained your senses into discerning between good and evil. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you don't know the difference between. I talked about Phineas ordering chicken strips everywhere he goes, right? And actually knowing, like, oh, there is a whole menu of great food here. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's what they're like. They're like children who don't know the difference between what's really good and just what they've always known. Um, and they should be ashamed because, again, these are not new Christians. I tried to give a little bit of encouragement to those who are who are newer Christians. Like, this is not to shame you. Mm-hmm. We should expect that newer Christians don't, don't know as much. Um, but this is for people who have been Christians a long time, and they have no desire to know the things of, of God. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been in churches that have been filled with people like this. What do you think it is about, like, for folks like that? Because I, I know what you're talking about. Do you think it's that it's the ritual that they're in love with of church? Because, because like, if you if you're in love with someone, right, you want to know more about them. You want to so that way you can grow in your relationship with mm-hmm. them. But there are people that are very dedicated to church. Do you think it's the ritual itself? You know, I think it's I think it's gonna be different for different people. So I don't I don't think that we should throw like a blanket mm-hmm. blanket statement over people. I, I think different people are gonna have different reasons why they're like this. I think for some people it's gonna be cultural. They grew up in a Baptist church. This is what a Baptist church was as I was growing up. This is what a Baptist church should be now. Mm. And any kind of change is bad, um, and that goes back to pastors that didn't preach the word of God correctly. They they preach topical stuff, and so well, that's what I'm used to. And so um, I've had I've had several people that have told me, you know, when they came to this church, it was an adjustment because of the way that we do preaching. Mm-hmm. Like if you're if you're used to um, a twenty minute devotional where it's mostly stories or tugging on your emotions. You come to our church and you listen to uh, you know, an expository sermon for an hour. It's going to be hard um, because your, your appetite hasn't been, it hasn't been trained. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for some people, they just, they just don't know that this is, this is a thing, <laughs> you know? I I remember the first time I heard, uh, it probably was it was either John MacArthur or R.C. Sproul, just doing a, an exegetical sermon. Like, I've never, <laughs> I've never heard anything like this. <laughs> yeah. you know, um, I, I think that I think that's probably true for a lot of people. Oh. They don't, they've never experienced this. So when they do experience it, they haven't been trained to receive it. Yeah. Um, now, if uh, you know. 
there's two responses to that. There are the people that receive it and they like come alive. And there's others that are like, nah. Right. Those are the people that you should be worried about. And I don't know. I don't know. There's probably a bunch of different reasons. I, they're probably, you know, they could be bored of the things of God. Um, they could be, they could be loving the wrong things. They could just be distracted by worldly things. Um, I, I don't know. There, there's probably a whole host of different yeah. reasons why people aren't like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I would, I want to be optimistic and say that for a lot of people, it's because they just have never experienced it before. So it's something yeah. new, and so they're they're they haven't been trained to receive this kind of food, mm-hmm. and so um, they. They're, going, I mean, going of, into the second point, there's no secret. They just have to be trained. Yeah. A lot of folks are used to, you know, you don't even need to bring a Bible to church. Yeah. As your pastor may preach from some scriptures and touch on them, but you don't need to follow. Right. There's nothing for you to follow. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something that we tell people, you're going to be better off if you take a Bible and have it in front of you so that you can follow through the passage. Well, we've, we've talked about our uh, the, the podcast intro we we seek to engage the mind and affect the heart and we we say that in that order for that reason you hit the brain and then what you know should affect your affections mm-hmm. uh, your emotions how you how you respond and i think from just listening to sermons of pastors um locally and kind of around um, that uh, they often bypass the brain to just go immediately to the heart. Mm-hmm. So they immediately start pulling at the for sure at the heartstrings. Like, yeah, for sure. So you don't you don't need your Bible for that, right? Um, that actually would probably short circuit what you're trying to do uh-huh. because now the person has to engage their mind um, and they're distracted from what you're trying to pull on their emotions. And I'm not saying this is sinister. I'm saying this is just this just seems to be the culture mm-hmm. that you pull on the heartstrings, you deal with the emotions, and don't worry about beliefs. Um, your beliefs will be uh, they'll follow your emotions, which usually right. leads to bad theology. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to when you go to a church, you need to be engaged with your brain first. And then, based upon what you learn from the scripture, then your emotions need to follow. I've legit seen people say things like, "I didn't believe this until I experienced it." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. uh, it could be uh, some type of a charismatic uh, encounter, yeah. or something, right? Or it could be something like women preachers. Mm. Well, I, I've seen a woman preach, and they can preach. Yeah. Like they'll say stuff like that. Uh-huh. And uh, that's legitimate because I saw it. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, your emotions and your experience can't override what God has already said. You see what I mean? Yeah. Well, that kind of goes along with with women who feel who feel called to preach. Mm-hmm. Like I feel called. Like you can't you can't tell me that my my feelings aren't what they are. Right. Like my my emotions or my experiences aren't what they are. Uh huh. Uh, it's bypassing the it's bypassing the mind to go straight to the heart. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not discounting what you feel. I'm not saying you're not feeling those things. I'm not saying that your experience is wrong. I'm just asking 
what does the text say? Right. And our hearts are deceitful. Our emotions, our emotions will lead us astray. That's yeah. not to say that you're not having those emotions. Mm-hmm. It means that your emotions are wrong. Don't don't follow your heart. Follow what what the scriptures say. Right. And let let your let your heart be informed by the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I so a lot of a lot of Christians. I, I think they. I think I, I think, think they stay. I, you're going to stay immature if you do that. Well, that's what I was going to point out. Uh, children are emotionally driven, right? Right. You. That's oh, yeah. something that you ex- expect to see in a child. Yeah. Like an emotional Just, response. Josiah right? has. I, I guess he's entered the stage where whenever you tell him no, or or he can't do something, he covers his face. He gets mad. He gets frustrated. He doesn't know what to do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's what. That's what a child does. Why? Why do children cry so much? Because they don't know, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to channel that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's that's exactly what immature Christians will do, also. Right. All uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could. I mean, I could give <laughs> illustration after illustration of people that at at the church before we merged, they didn't like the things I was I was teaching, and so their their arguments were never. The Bible doesn't say that. It was always, I mean, we had a woman stand up in the back of the church <laughs> and say, I don't know what it is, but it's not going to be here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that, those were the kind of arguments that we were encountering. Mm-hmm. What does the text say? We had people getting upset over, uh, I mean, they were, they were like it's some kind of weird morphing of Catholicism and Calvinism is like Catholicism. And they don't. I don't know what it is, but we don't want it here. It's like it's not even a thing. Like you don't. Like you don't I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. Um, and those were the kind of arguments because yeah. they were immature Christians. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have. They didn't have. A, they they probably had the ABCs of of Christianity. That's but they, all they ever but they, got. That's all they had, and so they didn't have any kind of framework in which to say, "Okay, this is what the scriptures say. This is why I believe. This is what it means." Yeah, that's all they ever got, mm-hmm. over and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and you, like you said, you, you have... don't you don't go beyond. Like he says, right? Uh, well, we'll move into point two. Okay, the straightforward solution of striving for maturity. He tells them. Here's the elementary doctrines, these ABCs, the elementary doctrines of Christ. Mm-hmm. But as you pointed out, these elementary doctrines, they're they're it's like a foundation, right? Yeah. You can't have anything else without the foundation. It's like right. the ABCs. You don't keep learning the ABCs, but the ABCs are in everything you do. Right. Yeah, you gotta have them. And that's what he means by this. He's not saying these aren't important. Right. Um, we're moving beyond them mm-hmm. to better stuff. No, <laughs> right. these are the things that are in everything else, but there's more stuff for you. Yeah. You you need the alphabet in order to read the Bible, mm-hmm. right? But before I sit down to read the Bible, I don't have to think, you know, I don't have to sing the ABC song to yeah. remind myself of the ABCs. They're so ingrained that it's just a part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to even think about these letters because I can just read because the foundation's already been laid. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to keep going back. It would... I mean, what what point would it be for me to keep having to go back and sing the alphabet song before I read something? Um, uh, but these these immature Christians, they're so lazy that they have to keep going. He has to keep going back to the basics, yeah, <laughs> because they 
they they are so childish that they just they don't have it. Yeah, and you pointed out here that you can see in the text there are six there are these six foundational truths. There are three pairs. I'll read them. Um, not laying in the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, and of instruction about washings and the laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. One thing you pointed out is that all of these foundational truths are really something that a Jew could hold to. A Jew could hold to all of these, yeah. and they could say, all right, the, these foundational truths we hold in common, I'm going back to the high priest right. that is in Jerusalem. Yeah. Because I'm safe there. Yeah. And as you're pointing as you pointed out, these foundational truths are really nothing without Christ as the center of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could uh, all of these are or part of the the Jew, Jewish religious system of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I mean they're 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 supposed to be you can't you can't read the the law or the prophets without seeing how they're called to turn away from dead works. And turn in faith towards God. Mm-hmm. Um, washings, um, they had all kinds of ceremonial mm-hmm. washings, laying on of hands, um, and of course, resurrection and eternal judgment. Some people like to say, well, they didn't have a good idea of that um, in the Old Testament, but it's it's all over the place. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, they, the, they, the Pharisees believed it. Yeah. They, the, I mean, Abraham believed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was all over the place. Um, so you, if you're, if you can't grasp, if you can't grasp these, if you just have to keep relaying the same things, um, you're going to apostatize and go back to Judaism where they hold to the same things. Mm-hmm. They're not grasping what this has to do with Christ. Um, and they're not building on that foundation with things like Christ is the greater high priest. And so when they experience persecution and hardship and, and, uh, Probably doubts. Um, they're they're going to go back. They're yeah. going to go back. They're going to leave Christ. And they're going to go back, and they're going to say, "Well, I, I still believe the same stuff." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, there's again, a high this, priest here. I, he's fine. Yeah, right. So again, this is not this is not just minor disagreements over over you know these little these little petty um, theological differences. The, mm-hmm. This is the difference between. You are a, a healthy Christian who will stand strong in the face of persecution, or you are uh, you're a baby that's going to be carried away by anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, writing in Ephesians chapter four, he says this is the purpose of of Christianity. It's so that we can grow up, because a child is just going to be tossed back and forth by various waves of of doctrine. Um, but the Christian, the the strong Christian builds upon that foundation and they they mature and uh-huh. so they're able to stand um when um you know uh, someone comes and tells you that catholics well you know it's just minor differences um in how you practice religion but you both believe the same things the child's going to be like oh yeah let's go do a you know night of unity with them because we we just hold to the same the same stuff, mm-hmm. but the mature Christian who's grown up in the faith and understands Christ is our greater high priest. Um, he is the final sacrifice. All all of the Old Testament rituals they pointed to, to his person and work. They're going to say no. There is a wide gap um, between us and Rome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so he he says, uh, verse three. 
uh, we're there to go on to maturity. This we will do if God permits. Mm-hmm. And I like the, I don't think it's a little twist on it. I think it's kind of seeing what's there. Uh, that we're dependent upon God for our growth ultimately, but there's also a warning that's there if God permits. Right. Whereas we we may be taking for granted that God will permit us to go on to maturity. Yeah, and this this is kind of leading into the the warning the the main heart of the warning passage um, next week is is don't take for granted that the table is set right now. Thinking, yeah, um, well, it'll be it'll be here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It may not be. Mm. Um, God may not permit that. We're going to go, you know, further in the book when we get to uh, to chapter twelve. We're going to see Esau. Don't be like Esau who sold his birthright for a, a bowl of stew, and when he 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 sought repentance, but he couldn't find it, even though he sought it with tears. Mm-hmm. Like he he regrets. <laughs> what he's done, but when he realizes what what he's done, there's no opportunity for him to to get it back. Um, I, I think that um, you know he's he's laying this out for us here. Here it is. It's not in secret. Um, it's not something that you have. You don't have to have like a, a doctorate to understand this stuff. Here it is. This is what you need to do. He's telling them, let's do it. And uh, then he says, if God permits us to do it, if if um, if God is gracious to us, don't don't take it for granted that it's here today. Mm-hmm. It's going to always be here. Take advantage of it today. Repent today. I think it's it's going back to chapters three and four. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That that holds true for us today. You hear it, you know the warnings, um, you know what he's calling us to do. Do it today, right? So press on toward maturity. Yeah, there's no there's no secret to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid that only likes chicken strips in order for him to be healthy. I mean, there's nothing wrong with chicken strips, but if that's all you eat. <laughs> you're not going to be you're not going to be super healthy. The only the only thing you can do is start eating other foods. Like there is no there's no other secret. There's no there's no shortcut to health. Um for the Christian who's immature, who hasn't, you know, maybe you're maybe you have been a Christian for 30 years and you haven't really taken the the time to learn the scriptures and to build up on that foundation and and build a house and mature. The only thing you can do is start. Start now. Mm-hmm. Press on to maturity now. Start yeah. start studying the scripture. Start attending a healthy church. Listen. Put it into practice. That that's it. There's no there's no gimmicks. There's no five steps. It's just do it. Yeah. Just start doing it. The, mm-hmm. ta- the table is set. You have to eat. Yeah. Good. All right. Thanks, George. It's a good sermon. Looking forward to the next one. Um, looking forward to seeing how you deal with You're going to deal with the specific warning passage this next time, right? Yep. All right. So that's something you're not going to want to miss. Maybe you can even check the sermon out on Sunday. Um, but even if you can't, we'll be going through it here next Text Driven Tuesday. We hope you come back on Friday for Free for All Friday. Hopefully this has helped you to become more conformed to Christ. See you next time.